Thank you for joining us for the Culture Conversations podcast, where we help good people create great workplace cultures. We truly believe that together we thrive. I'm your host and culture coach, Melanie Boer. All right, so want to just say welcome to everyone. Um, my name is Melanie Boer. I'm excited to be here today for our Conscious Culture Roundtable and excited to have Rhonda with us, our people gardener. Hi, Rhonda. Hey, yeah, happy um, to be here. So happy to have you. I just wanted to give a quick introduction. We're going to do a quick around the room so you guys can say who you are as well, and then we'll give Rhonda some time to, to chat with us. Um, I know most of you, Laura, I'm just meeting you today, but um, my name is Melanie and my business is in uh, human resource consulting, culture coaching, um, and then most recently kind of helping people find their voice where we're helping um, kind of business authors uh, become authors, which has been really a lot of fun. So my business is growing in different directions, uh, but I love culture the most. That's what I like to be known for. And of course, that's how the, the round table's gotten started. Um, as you know, we do make our donations to the Free Store Food Bank. And for me, that's just a matter of, I call it feeding into others. Um, you know, we like to do that with people, but of course we're doing this in, in this case with people that don't have food as well. Um, if we could, I'd like to go around and just kind of get an idea of who you are, what company you're with, uh, and then kind of how long you've been either leading or, you know, passionate about culture. Uh, would love to know those things. So Laura, why don't you start for us? Hello, I'm Laura Johnston. And as I told you, I just relocated to South Carolina. Um, my company is High Impact Leadership and I do uh, leadership training and culture projects within the dental industry. Awesome. Well, we're glad to have you. Uh, Rachel, how about you? Hi, I'm Rachel. Um, I am training at the moment actually with um, Alex, um, just in the whole HR industry and work with Melanie, which is great. Um, I think it was Melanie that got me into this um, in the beginning because really my background's in training and education, but I do get excited listening to everything culture. So that's why I'm here. I'm trying to learn more. Wonderful. Uh, John, hi, welcome. How about you? Yeah, John Martis. I'm founder of a revolutionary talent acquisition solution called give to get Cincinnati, born and raised, CNX, UC grad. I've uh, been in both sides of the uh, fence from an employer perspective, as well as from a job seekers pr perspective and solving the problems of um, the disconnect between employers and talent. Wonderful. Thank you for joining us. Um, Priscilla, hello. Would you like to give us a quick introduction? You're muted right now, so unmute yourself. Hi. Yeah. Um, can you hear me? Yes. Okay, good. So I'm Priscilla. I joined late, but I think we're just doing brief introduction. Yep, okay. Brief intro. Okay. So I am a HR business partner for a company called Track Street, and I actually work under an LLC called N of our HR. And we, um, it's me and my, um, the founder of this company, uh, Andrea, and we do consulting for a couple companies. Um, and we're currently reading the culture, a conscious culture book. So that's how I got connected. It's a good book. I see it in Rachel's background too. Rachel, thank you for that's a great display. Thank you. Um, Priscilla, can I ask Priscilla, what did you say? It was end of what? Um, end of our HR. Oh, okay. Thank you. Wonderful. Um, and Alex, how about you? Hi, welcome. Hi, thanks for having me. 
Um, I'm Alex Bowden. I'm the CEO and founder of People First Talent and Retention. Um, so we are an HR consulting firm as well and focus on typically small to medium-sized businesses, um, some larger companies that are going through kind of like a re-revolution of a startup phase as well. Um, but we really help them center on building out long-term solutions and strategies um, for their people factor, their human capital, and everything that goes into that. So Melanie and I work closely with Rachel on the culture piece, and Rachel works with me on some of the other pieces. And as you guys know, there's a lot of pieces to the human capital equation. So all things under that umbrella. Wonderful. And she's in Cincinnati with me. I don't know if you said that or not. Priscilla, forgive me. Where are you located? I am in California. I'm in San Luis Obispo. San Luis Obispo. I knew that too. All right. And Rhonda, we're going to save the, we'll save the best for last here. Oh, you're all amazing. Um, going to let her speak a little bit about herself, but I found some great things out about her. Uh, Rhonda and I actually met through a networking group that happened on the West Coast and kind of just kept in touch. I think Rhonda, that's kind of, just then saw each other's postings on LinkedIn yeah. and we're like, we need to reconnect and kind of see how we can uh, talk about some of our favorite topics together. Um, I love that what her focus on, and again, I'm pulling some of this from her LinkedIn information, uh, would encourage you to connect with her on LinkedIn. But when she talks about being an avid gardener, which I have a very brown thumb. So this analogy might, it's not lost on me. I know that it's important, but I, and I even use my thrive analogy, right? The tree, that's my hopeful thinking that I know I need to nurture things. Um, but she's been inspired by her many lessons in gardening. I love that she says that plants like people need love, caring, nurturing, good food, good water, rest and sunlight. And her purpose is to help implement what she's learned and build a team that loves their job, their company, and each other. Highly productive, happy teams don't just happen, but require effort, patience, and effective support, which we totally believe. And we love that. Mm-hmm. Um, so Rhonda, I'm going to let this turn this over a little bit to you. would love to you know, hear about you and your passion and work. Um, please introduce yourself. Okay. Thanks. Okay. Well, I'm Rhonda Delaney, the people gardener. The people gardener uh, came into being uh, after I was canceled from a 15-year uh, executive corporate position. The company was taken over uh, by a private equity firm, and they brought in somebody else to run the company, and uh, there continued to be misalignment with my own values, my own morals, my own expectation of leadership. And me being the passionate, vocal, opinionated person that I am, I was very clear that this wasn't okay and arrived at work one day and was told, thank you very much. Uh, We've eliminated your position. It's time for you to move on. So uh, I was 58 at the time, I'm 62 now. And it was, it was probably about three months. It was like, oh, this is kind of cool, you know, okay. <laughs> I'll get up and I have my coffee and I go out to the garden, play with my grandkids and whatnot. But I knew that I needed to continue doing something. And uh, I, I tease people that I've been a leader since kindergarten. Back when I was young, I thought leadership was just telling people what to do, and I was really good at that. Uh, But I have since discovered that it's a little bit more than that, Rhonda. It's not just telling people what to do. It's helping people understand 
what they're good at and then encouraging them to do the things that will make them the best at what they at what they do and as uh, melanie has already said i'm an avid gardener and there were a few tenants of gardening that became really really clear to me in those 15 years of corporate as i as i grew teams of people i i started in the accounting department and a new ceo came in and he saw me what i did how i interacted how i knew everybody in the building every single department what went on it's the way i am and he said i need you to run the sales department well i had been in sales back when my kids were young and so I led two sales teams there and then I was operations and I had five different departments and over 50 people that I was managing and, and running. I digress. What I learned from the garden is, you know, those little packets of seeds that you buy with the picture on the front of it. So let's, let's say we're going to have a sunflower packet, a sunflower, a gardener knows that when they plant that seed, that sunflower seed, they will never, ever get a rose. Ever. It's not possible. Because what is innately in that seed is the sunflower. It doesn't have anything that resembles a rose. And yet we as leaders often expect people to be other than who they are. Not going to happen. Quit trying to force people into boxes and circles and mandates and whatever else you want to call because it's not going to work. They are who they are. And your job as the leader is to really get to know them and understand what their innate genius is because we all have it. There's things that are just so easy to us when people say, well, you're so good at that. It's kind of like, well, what do you mean? Doesn't everybody do it that way? No, they don't. And we want to really help people learn what that is and then make sure that we put them in positions that bring out that particular genius. The other Rhonda, thing that, yeah. Oh, sorry, real quick. That's a brilliant statement. How many times do we plant the sunflower seed, and I don't mean we, I mean leaders yeah. and expect the rose to grow. Like that wouldn't that doesn't even make sense, right? Like we know it doesn't we should know what we're gonna get and then nurture it as you go. So I like hearing kind of even hearing that piece of the analogy that makes yeah. so much sense. Yeah, and one of the one of the let's add a level of of difficulty here as a leader. Us human beings, we don't come with a seed packet on our face telling the leader what we're good at, <laughs> right? We don't, we don't know unless we become interested and delve into and try and learn and understand this person. So that's the, the added challenge of a, of a leader. The other thing from, from gardening that was really, really clear is it is always your fault if a plant doesn't thrive always it is never in any circumstance the plant's fault 
if it's not thriving because you the gardener have planted it in the wrong spot you're giving it too much sun or not enough sun or you're giving it too much water or not enough water or you didn't transplant it and you have confined it to this tiny little pot when it wants to explode and grow and as a gardener you you become really really um open and adept to transplanting you're digging up this plant because your biggest concern is that it's not thriving okay so where do i put it in this it's got too much sun okay i'm going to move it to this i'm going to move it to the shade or you start doing some research you dig in trying to find information about that plant and where it is best suited we need to do that with our people you need to be okay with somebody that's not, let's say engaged, somebody that's not happy, somebody that's not performing well, they might be late on their assignments or they might be just half-assing them and they're not really in, into it. Stop blaming them for that for a minute and just say, wait a sec, is this really the best place for this person and i know many many leaders they get hung up well no this is my person this is they're in my department they need to stay in my department but it could be that the best place for them is in a different department it could be the best place for them is exiting out the building and if you come at it trying to to figure out what is best for them by going back and forth with them in communication, watching how they interact with other people, watching how they interact with other departments, you get a better understanding of how to help them and how to ensure that they're actually planted in the right spot so that they're getting what they need in order to thrive. So that's how the people gardener <laughs> came into came into being and I my focus and my heart is with the new leader. So it's somebody that has been moved into a leadership role inside a company or it could be a business owner who now has three or four or five or 10 employees and they're tearing their hair out because they have no clue how to lead. In fact, a lot of them don't even want to, like they don't even like people. They, they really just started this because they were technically good at something and they were tired of their boss making all the money and they decided, well, no, I can do this. And they start this company and then they are completely lost. Those are, those are who I serve and that's, that's my heart. And I think it goes back to, I, I'm sure you've all experienced this at the bank when you see that little notice that says teller in training or at the grocery store cashier in training. Your whole being changes when you understand that somebody is trying to learn something. You become more patient. You Before you even get there, you check yourself because you know it's probably going to take a few minutes longer or they're going to have a few questions that they need to ask somebody in order to to make this happen 
new leaders are the same. They need so much love and care and support. And typically in corporate America, corporate world, they are the least supported. The money goes to the C-suite, money goes to mid-level management. And more often than not, you're taking somebody who was really good at a specific task and saying, here you go. Congratulations, you're doing such an awesome job. Now lead this department of 20 people. And they walk away. Yeah. <laughs> and that before, was never where that was never where their skill set was, right? I it comes to mind with salespeople, especially, right? Yes. People yeah. that are climbing the sales ladder, doing all these great things, and we and then we yeah. force upon them, well, your next step is management. And they're like, well, wait, I don't even know if that's what I want, right? But that's how you climb the ladder. Yeah, and then and the, the sad part is those people excelled at their task, at their at their position, because they were engaged and enjoying and having fun doing what they were doing. And yeah. then you move them over here to manage people, and before long they hate their job, they hate their boss, their life is miserable, they go home mad, their family life is affected, their whole world is affected in a negative way because you as the the leader if in fact you did this um were only focused on yourself because you moved them there because you needed somebody to look after that you didn't have the bandwidth for it so often they just get they get so messed up so that's that's why my focus and my my company statement or actually why i do what i do it's because everyone deserves a leader that is that embraces their uniqueness and is committed to cultivating their potential it's all about them always has been always will be yeah so, so give us a little idea more like how do you then go in and help nurture leaders and help them to thrive what is it you do for organizations when you're meeting with them i mean is this a coaching model tell yes. us more about it yeah. I have a I have a course. It's called Leaders Grow First, and my my whole um, the, the the pillars are be interested, care, support, nurture, and recognize. My focus is on understanding that you're leading human beings. You're not le you're not leading people that do tasks. You're not leading robots, you're leading human beings. And you talked earlier um, uh, in our conversations about you know, being seen, being heard, being appreciated, knowing that, that they matter. One of the challenges of new leaders is they, they're nervous. They're, they, they have a tendency to get overwhelmed because there's many things that are new to them and they get hyper-focused on those stupid KPIs and the stupid ROIs and the numbers and the bean counters and all that other stuff. And they forget that they, they're, they're leading human beings. They're not leading spreadsheets. They're not. They're not. And if they spent time and energy really working with each person and knowing exactly who they are and 
what they need and where they should be, those people will perform beyond what they could imagine. The KPIs and the ROIs and all of that stuff will look after itself if your people are actually engaged and happy at what they're doing. You want people coming to work excited to come because they're actually working in a job with tasks that are, are light to them. It's not a drudgery. And you know what? There's some people, they love repetition. Mm -hmm. Other people, it's like, kill me. I can't stand doing the same thing every day. And then you've got people that want to be in the middle of the room and be really vocal. And then you've got other people that want to be in a, an office with the closed door and they only want to talk to people maybe twice a day. It's your job as the leader, as the people gardener to understand and get to know everybody and what it is that they need. And if you make sure that they're, they are um, looked after and they're in the right spot, they'll all do the job that you've asked them to do. Like it's, it's not rocket science. And yet I was just reading a, a, a statistic that just came out from Gallup. 36% of the people who have just quit their job in the first, I don't know if it's six months of, of this year, didn't even have another job to go to. That job was so horrible and didn't fill them up and, and, and wasn't satisfying to them that they just quit. It's crazy. And, and also, you know, sev over 70% of people say that their boss is the worst part of their job. That is such a sad statistic because it doesn't have to be that way. And so when I go in, we go through the, there's four modules. We go through the four module. I'm just working at, at reworking it because I do have a fifth and it's actually the, going to be the number one and it's to be interested. You have to be in, uh, being interested is a prerequisite to caring. You can't get to the place of caring about your people, about your team, if you're first not interested in them as human, as human beings. I love that. We, we talk about it as right. It's like having that human moment, right? And we just need to be human with people. Um, you mentioned, so this whole idea, right? That it's kind of that hire for attitude, train for skill. Like we, we get people in there and then we don't put them where they need to be. Mm -hmm. So does that mean that this could start with hiring? So like hiring the right people who we get on board, or are we also then kind of just trying to train the people we already have to help them be good leaders? Like, which way do you try to approach that? I am, I am a, uh, yeah, I think I could say I'm a proponent of hiring behaviors, <laughs> right? That align with the culture that you're trying to establish and and to grow so if you're if you're wanting um a, a solid culture you're wanting people that are open to communicating you're wanting people that are happy to question right that was a huge thing in my my 10 years of running teams why you know as little kids right I mean, some of you have, may have small children, but I remember as a kid, you're constantly asking why, and you get the answer and then you say, why? And then you get another answer and it's why? Having people open and, 
and willing to ask why, but you as the leader being willing to, to be open and embrace and invite your team to ask why. So I, I think for me, it, it's definitely the, the more the behavior than the, than the skill. Cause there's, you know, unless it's a very technical uh, piece of your corporate puzzle and somebody has to have a, a skill al already. But for me, it's, it's, it's attitude seriously. Yeah. And, and it's just the, the, the willingness to be proactive and to be engaged and willing to stand up and say, whoa, wait a sec, I don't get that. I don't understand that. How does that apply to me? Well, why are we doing it this way? Could we do yeah. it this other way? Uh, and then as far as being a leader, being get the ego gone. You know, somebody that says, well, I'm just too busy, that's ego. Somebody says, no, it has to be done this way is like more often than not, that's ego. It isn't yeah. that it has to be done that way. Somebody decides, no, I want it done this way because then I believe that I can control the outcome if somebody does it this way. Little do they know that there is a different way and the outcome could be even better. I couldn't have paid you to say it any better when you said, <laughs> um, right, we hire behaviors. And then you said that align with the culture that you're trying to establish. Like that's, that's really what we want. We want people that, you know, where, where we sometimes then find that gap though, right? People haven't ever defined the kind of culture that they want. They haven't stopped in. And again, I'm getting a little bit into like the cards for culture mentality here, which is stop and define what it is you want and then get those people on board, right? Which is, which is what you're saying. And then help for the company to be successful. We have to repeat that. It's gotta be replicated over and over and over playing to their strengths. So yeah, I use one of the things with this, this be interested, I, I really got a bee in my bonnet on it uh, earlier this year when I, I thought about it. And I, I do believe that it is a prerequisite in order to really get in there and and build a, a solid team. Somebody in uh, hmm, can't remember who exactly it was, but they they talked about moments. Um, you cannot get to creating moments if you're not interested and you can't get to that place of caring because it's only as you really embrace the person and their complete life so you want to know about their pets their you know what they like what foods they like where they go on vacation all of that kind of stuff you don't have to get nosy. You don't have to grill anybody, but you start listening, right? You're more interested. That's when you can create the moments. And I'll give you an example. Um, I'm going to use my, I'm going to use my family. Every January, February, I get gobs of seed catalogs and I wipe everything off this big table and I put my seed catalogs down and I sit and I go through them trying to decide, okay, what am I going to grow this year? And daughters, they check in and they want to know, okay, so have you made any decisions yet? Hubby kind of rolls his eyes, but he loves me to death and he's happy for me to be happy, you know, buying seeds and, and plants. And I go, yeah, I'm, I'm kind of getting to it. Well, two years ago, I made this decision. I was going to do the whole West Bank in Stella de Oro daylilies. 
There are these happy yellow flowers that come out every day. And that's where you drive up to our driveway. And it was like, wow, what a happy face for the entrance to our driveway. So, okay, I made this decision. The girls had asked me and I said, this is what I'm doing. Months go by, I can't find these anywhere. And I'm belly aching and moaning and complaining to anyone that will listen <laughs> that I can't find these plants that I've decided I must have. Mother's Day comes along. It's the Saturday, I'm out in the garden, can't figure out why the girls have arrived with the grandkids. So I dust myself off and I go out to the, to the driveway and here on this table is 20 Stella de Oro de Lilies. Well, I, I, I can tell you exactly where I was in the driveway. I can tell you exactly what I did because in that moment, I knew that I was seen, that I was heard, that they loved me, that they cared about me and they wanted for me what my vision, what my vision was. Those are the kinds of moments you want to create with your people. And the only way that you can create them is if you're interested in them, that you're checking in with them. It's not that you have to create these moments every single day, but you have to have the information inside your head and inside your heart in order that when the opportunity presents itself, you actually can create this moment. And it's those moments that make people want to come to work. It's those moments that make them go home and share with their family how much they love you, how much they love the company, and they actually have a happy, joyful dinner and evening. Mm -hmm. So I'm curious with our everyone on the call today, like when she's describing that moment, I don't know about you guys, but I kind of had something that came to mind, right? Like, oh, mm -hmm. I remember being seen or I remember being heard. So yeah. I do want you guys to share that if you think of yours. Yeah. Mine was I'd, a love to, I'd love to hear moments because it's those moments that make up your life, your memories, right? Yeah. You can, you can remember because it really affected your heart. Yes. And yeah. sometimes it's something small, but then Absolutely. it's really meaningful to you. Right. So example, I had started out a new employer and I had found out that I was a celiac, so I couldn't have wheat. And I always feel a huge sense of being left out. Right. Like everyone can go to lunch or have this, or you get cookies at the office. I can't eat any of that stuff. Right. Um, but I've had, you know, and actually two times this has happened once Kathleen joined us. Hi, Kathleen. I see you joined us, but we don't see your face there. Um, I'll switch my story a little bit. Once was showing up at an employer, but this one was Kathleen actually sent me a Christmas gift one time, but instead of sending out their regular, I think it was cookies, Kathleen, she sent me popcorn and I was like, yay, <laughs> Kathleen remembers that I cannot eat those cookies. Um, so I don't know. We have those moments where it's, you feel thankful that you're seen. Did, did anyone else have a thought pop into their head? I had, um, when I was at my previous company, I had teased them for like two years about sending me to our Latin American offices because I had always had a great rapport with our people down there. And I always loved to travel and explore. Um, and so I had put into, they had a dream manager program. So I'd put into the system, like originally years prior that I wanted to spend a week in, in Latin America. And so they, um, 
they awarded it my last year with the company. They sent me for a week. They sent me to like a salsa class because they knew I loved dancing. They paid for everything. Um, and it was, there was a business incentive too. So they had me, you know, like work with the offices down there and it was really, really cool. But I just felt like so rewarded for four years of feeling like I was just delivering and delivering and delivering. And um, that meant more to me than like the salary increases and promotions. Like that was a really cool um, moment of bringing it to life for me. Yeah, awesome. Anybody else want to share one? I'm not going to force you to talk, but we'd love to hear it if you thought of something. All right. Wait, I got I got this from my manager um, once. <laughs> that is cute. It's a hand painted little canvas of my dog, and I, I had recently <laughs> I had recently got him, and I and whenever I got it, she had taken she had I had posted a photo of him, and so she had taken that. And, and made that from him. Oh, that's sweet. What's his name? Yeah. Really personal. His name's Leo. Yeah. Leo? Super cool. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Leo. See, that's an attentive boss that knew that you loved your dog <laughs> and got you a custom made photo. That, that's pretty well, neat. And you know what the, the neat thing about that <clears throat> is that you were able to identify that she took the time to mm-hmm. actually get something that was on a social site and mm-hmm. move it somewhere else in order for this to be created mm-hmm. for you. Mm-hmm. It's the it's the the purposeful intent so often behind the creation of the moment that speaks more than actually the moment itself because you know that somebody went to time and effort in order to to make it happen. I you know that. something that I that I did regularly and it wasn't in-person moments, uh, but it was through text. You're, you all have conversations with people in your, in your life. And as you're leading people, you're um, putting in your, in, your, in your brain, in your, in your drawer, information about them, about what's going on. And I would regularly um, snap photos of things that people actually had made a comment on in passing that they were looking for. I can remember one of the gals in the art department, she was looking for a specific camera. I happened to be in Best Buy. I thought this was the one that she said it was on sale. So I snapped a picture of it. I sent her a text. I said, hey, is this the one that you were looking for? Right? Another another um, time, it could be something else but just even that little thing you're not actually human to human face to face it's just like oh wow wow she remembered that i said that mm-hmm. and anytime you can create moments very very easily when you have conversation with somebody and there has been an event in their life um this happened more often, it was their personal life, it wasn't um, their, their work life, but an event happened that impacted them and you'd had this conversation. When you come back to them a week later, two weeks later and check in, so how did it go or how is it going? Are they, are they healing? I mean, who knows what it is? 
that speaks volumes because you haven't forgotten their pain. You haven't forgotten their heartache. You haven't forgotten what actually had affected them. Uh, because oftentimes those types of scenarios do affect their work and it's okay that affects their work. Let's have a conversation about it, but they so appreciate you checking back in with them. Melanie. Yes. Can I share this was something that was, um, that I learned from an employer that I had and I've adopted it into our, our company culture, but I think one-on-ones are they're absolute musts. They should be a requirement that you, it's such an important way to connect. But one of the things that we do in, um, is when we're setting goals, we always ask them what personal goals they're working on. And one or two usually is sufficient, but it gives you an opportunity to touch back with them in kind of an intimate way, right? Cause it's their goal. It has nothing to do with your company. Um, but it gives you a chance to talk to them, um, about something other than their job. And that's when, like what Rhonda was saying, it gives you opportunities, those little conversations that you have, they don't have to be super long. How's, how's that personal goal? Like my employee, she's working on a couple of things that I touched base with her today. And then like you said, Rhonda, then it gives you an opportunity to check back with them, even outside of a one-on-one, right? Like, so it's like, oh, I, whatever her goal is, you know, you have that moment in the grocery store where you're like, oh, I, this is a part of your goal. You should try this, you know? So that, that's a really great example. I love that. You said even like it gets you out trying all the purple personal and it makes it so much more intimate human moment. Uh, the company that I'm filling in for right now from a leave of absence perspective, they do a great job with culture. And so it's an honor to be there. Um, they start every meeting by either they talk about their vision and values. So their value of the week or their principle of the week, they call it. But they also do that where they ask that personal thing. Like they say, tell me something, some good news. What's your good news? And they have a lot of these meetings and it's like, oh my gosh, sometimes I get there. I'm like, what is my good news? You know, I mean, <laughs> and then it also just switches your mindset, right? Like I, I need to have something good to talk about when I get here to this meeting. Um, so it's, good- it's so true. Cause I, I've been working with a company in Seattle. <clears throat> I think I now have coached five of their, their new, their new managers. And Every call, my, the first thing I say, okay, give me a win. And the first few sessions, <laughs> they're tearing their hair out, trying to figure out. And I, I'm just quiet. I said, I know you've had some, so I'm just going to wait for you to, you know, bring them up. And it is usually about the third session, fourth session, they're actually ready. And it's shifting their focus to look for the wins rather than to look for the problems, to look for the challenges or to be overwhelmed by the the challenges. We all have wins. Unfortunately, society has convinced us that they have to be big in order to be a win. A win might be getting out of bed with somebody with fibromyalgia, right? That that could be a phenomenal win for them. And they actually got into the office. Another win could be somebody getting there on time when they've had so much problem during this past year with homeschooling. I mean, just just all of the stuff that happened. We as leaders don't get to define what is the win. We need to be open for them to tell us what is a win for them today? What What does it look like? 
and then we need to applaud it. We need to recognize it. Let's play on your recognize. So it sounds like some of those things were maybe how we're supporting people. Like you mentioned, not letting, not forgetting about their heartache, talking about their personal goals. What are some ways, cause you mentioned one of your um, five areas, you mentioned recognizing. So tell me what that means in, in your world. Cause I feel like someone with my HR hat on, um, I might describe it a little bit differently, but I want to hear what, what you talk about. Uh, recognition to me is a personal acknowledgement of somebody meeting either a company goal, it could be a personal goal, uh, uh, an, an expectation, an agreement. Beyond that is as a leader, again, knowing your people, being interested in what makes them tick and making sure that you're recognizing them in a way that speaks to them. Perfect example, most salespeople, they're happy to be in the middle of the room and for you to shout it from the rooftops that they met a goal. That, you know, they're, this is the top. That's their personality, that's their being, that's who they are, and that's beautiful. They're in the right spot. And then you have somebody potentially, and I am absolutely generalizing here and also, um, oh, what's the word, um, stereotyping. You have the accountant who prefers to be in a closed door, in a quiet, tends to be more of an introvert than an, than an extrovert. If you shouted from the rooftops, specifically something that they had done and done well, they would crawl under the desk. So you don't get to decide how you want to recognize you have to know the person well enough that you can recognize them in a way that speaks to them, that they can actually take it in and enjoy it and embrace it and feel good about it than be so distracted because your method <laughs> of recognition makes them uncomfortable. Uh, recognition must be specific. If you say, hey, good job, that's not recognition in my book. That's a compliment, it, it, but it's not recognizing specifically what they've done. So it needs to be specific. Thank you so much for completing this report so thoroughly on time. I mean, if that's if that's what what happened and so also really expanding your repertoire of ways that you do recognize and it recognition could be in an email it could be in a note you could actually mail a card to somebody's address it could be in the middle of the room it could be to the broader group something that I feel really strongly about as far as leaders are concerned is they need to be advocating for their team to upper management. They need to be pointing out to other managers, to other leadership, how awesome their person is. They need to be building up their resume inside the company so that when an opportunity does present itself, you've got other You've got people from other departments, you have leadership and upper leadership that come to you 
to say, hey, you know what? You've been talking about so-and-so. We've got this new uh, position opening. And based on what you've said, I think they might be a good fit. What, what do you think, right? And so then you are able to help your person, your the people in your department advance and move on in their, their career, career. And that's one way that you can recognize them. And, and recognize them, recognizing them in meetings, inviting them to participate, opening up space for them to actually speak up so that their voice is being heard. Does that make sense? It absolutely does. So I, we kind of, our chat started to go a little bit around love languages. Laura tossed that out there and I love, I love the love languages. Have you guys taken that test before? Cause I sent you a little link to make, do you guys know what your love language is? Mm -hmm. What do I hear? Who already? So mine is acts service. of service, which means like Me. when my husband unloads the dishwasher, I'm like, oh, he loves me. He did the dishwasher, right? Um, That's mine. What are some yeah. other ones? Mine's I, a, I, uh, I can't remember what it was called, but is it like quality conversation or something? Quality Words time. of affirmation. That means like, like quality like conversation, like conversation. Right. I can't remember what I think it's called. Quality time. Maybe Rachel, is that what it was called? No, um, something to do with, having discussion yeah quality I, yeah i'll have to okay. look it up yeah because there's either words or affirmation or quality time so i'm a quality time physical touch it's like an equal split and then i think gifts was another one so there's some of us right that uh and they'll tell you kind of where you fall in the spec because you might like all of that at different times but you lean one direction i guess is kind of what they know uh -huh. so. well you know he wrote a book specifically for the workplace with the same kind of theme no. yes Rachel so yours makes it more workplace related which makes more sense right I'm still in the uh mm. applying that back at home but yeah yeah Is there I a mean, link you, can to that it, one? you can apply it everywhere can't you really yeah oh for I'm sure you can it goes it it goes back to I keep going back to <laughs> sorry I sound like a broken record is being interested right if you're interested in really understanding and getting to know someone you are going to over time uh, have their preferences revealed to you and you then are going to be able to support them in a way that aligns best with them. Rhonda, can I ask you a question? Can yeah. I jump in that road? Um, I was just wondering how you deal with a leader. I've had a particular one I'm thinking of who really was not very interested, did not like small talk, and it very much was his personality. You know, he was great clinician, great at what he did, but, and his team wasn't really big enough to have, you know, someone to take that role necessarily, and he was really terrible with it. <laughs> How do you help somebody to gain that skill where they actually can, even if they're not interested, fake it till you make it, I guess? Uh, there's no question being interested is a choice. And I would say right from the get go, I don't know this person, huge challenge on their hands uh, to connect with any of their people and for their pe for his people to actually be happy in their in their job. I have to admit, I am a how do I get from point A to point B the fastest? I'm not a small talker either. But that doesn't mean that you can't be interested. And, and you don't, how do I say this? You don't necessarily have to 
interact directly with the person all of the time in order to get to know them and their preferences. If you're willing to take the time to observe, I mean, back when everybody was in, in an office building in an office setting, one of the things I'm a huge advocate of is doing the walkabout. I spent more time away from my desk than at my desk because I was interacting with people at their desk. And that is where you learn more. You learn a lot about someone, about how they interact with the people on their on their team or in this in the same department you learn a lot about somebody even if you got to work a little bit early and you just watched how people actually entered for the day what's their demeanor what's the first thing that they do do they go to the lunchroom do they put their jacket down do they put everything at their desk are they really controlled and they have the it doesn't matter what day of the week they come in, they do exactly the same thing every single time that they come in, learning, learning their habits. So uh, it, it isn't that this, this methodology becomes a way of being and you're gaining information all the time. You're not adding another component, another thing to do that I have to do. You learn to just be way more observant and you learn to ask questions and you be okay with the answers and not trying to necessarily change somebody's opinion or, or judging the answer or, or, or the interaction. Just take it all in. It's information that is going to help you help somebody in their in their job. So I don't I know, know if that answers answers your question, but it's it's it, being interested, caring about people. Those are all choices, and you you have no control over that choice other than for yourself. Mm -hmm. You can encourage people, you can help people see the benefit of it. And eventually that, that may change, but you know, it might, it might not. It really is a form of emotional intelligence, right? Yes. We we're oh, talking absolutely. about how you relate to people. And I think there are leaders out there that just don't have that either awareness, right? They, they really have to put an extra effort to tap into it. Mm -hmm. um, I saw that Rachel has something else to say. Rachel, what's up? Well, unmute yourself. Oh, so it was really at the very beginning, Rhonda, when you were chatting, I was just thinking, um, if you're going in to help out uh, leadership to try and, I guess, teach them to become a more effective leader, who's hiring you? Is it the company or is it the leader themselves recognizing that they need some help? I've had both. Uh, mm -hmm. Typically, it's the company. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That's just interesting. Yeah. Like in one in Seattle, it's a vice president of operations because she had people that she needed to move into leadership roles. She did not have to work with them herself, and she knew that she needed help. Started to break up a little bit. Can you guys hear me? Yeah. Yeah. I feel like I'm losing Rhonda. I see everybody else okay. And you're all moving. I, 
I know. I think where she was going with that, right, is that it's probably hard for the person themselves to ask for help. Um, that the company probably recognizes those shortcomings a little bit, you know, and then they can kind of aim for that coaching. Rhonda, are you back? Well, the, the good and the bad of it is we're almost, we're almost to our hour mark, but I hate to lose her in the middle of her thought here. Oh, you know, I just hear so many people talking about, um, it's interesting, so many people are so focused on getting a promotion that you, when you ask them, you know, oh, why, why are you going for promotion? It's just like, oh, just more money. And it's like, well, I wonder if they have any idea. There's somebody I know who's going for promotion at the moment and they, they have absolutely no um, experience in managing people. And I'm like, you're good at what you do that, you know, and you, it, that's brilliant. But how do you actually learn how to manage people? Just interesting when you ask somebody why they're going for promotion, what they actually say. Agree, Rachel, which is why they had to actually come out with some ways to analyze compensation and not just make it about, right, you have to add leadership in, but if you're an expert performer in your area, then that's okay. There's a path for that as well if you don't want to take on the management. And so companies have kind of gotten a little bit smarter with that, but I think it's an ongoing need. Mm -hmm. uh, checking to see if Ron is back. I see her oh, yeah. out and back in. There she is. <laughs> yeah. That's right. We kept talking. We talked the whole time you were good. gone. So it's all right. Good. Good. <laughs> um, I want to be sensitive to everyone's time. I'm sure some of you probably have a three o'clock meeting. Um, so we can stay, kind of wrap up here, but just want to say thank you. A big thank you to Rhonda for sharing her insights with us. Um, for everyone that joined the group to kind of share your thoughts as well. This has been, I could talk forever about this. I mean, I don't know about you guys, but that time went by very quickly. Um, just a reminder, you know, we are trying to do these talk culture roundtables about once a month. They're typically happening about every five to six weeks, actually. Um, and then we're making donations to the free store food bank to help feed into others. So you saw that I posted um, a link to Rhonda's LinkedIn. So hopefully you can connect with her, maybe connect Thank with each other. Thank you. Yeah. Um, and just keep living life intentionally and be intentional about culture, help thrive. Um, think of yourself, how, you know, how could you help in these areas and, or, where we can maybe even introduce Rhonda to some people that need that coaching help, right? Yeah, absolutely. And if anybody has any questions, you know, about anything that I covered today, please just shoot me an email or send me a message on, on LinkedIn. Happy to, happy to chat. Rhonda, I'm coming back to Bellingham next month. And, Not uh, very good. Well, we'll connect. <laughs> Wonderful. Okay. Well, thank you all so much. Thank you for joining our culture conversation and, uh, Continue to, to do great things because together we thrive. Enjoy you guys. Thank, Thank you. you. Thanks, Rhonda. Thanks, Manly. Yeah. Here. For more information, please check out our website at www.thrivewithmb.com or send me a note at melanie at thrivewithmb.com. Thanks for listening and keep leading with heart because when people matter, companies thrive.